listening to Glad Tidings. Today, we have Reverend Gwen Chu sharing the word. We hope you are inspired by this message. Amen. We welcome the kids, the youth, and uh, the whole church, the intergeneration. And that is our heart to see the generations worshiping together in one roof, under one roof. Today, we'll be talking also about one roof uh, of the centurion's roof uh, in this uh, very amazing story that we are going to share today. Today is the month of, uh, we start the first week of December. We are in the month of Christmas. And uh, we are starting on a Christmas series uh, today, starting with uh, faith, hope, and love, and then ending with miracle on Christmas Day. Can we just, uh, maybe you want to turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. I will encourage you to read with me the scripture. Yes. Let's read together. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appearing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west and recline at the table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Father, we want to thank you. For faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Today we are going to ponder, we are going to reflect, we are going to meditate on the importance the power of faith that you call upon us as sons and daughters of the kingdom. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. How so appropriate we sung the children's song just now with the worship team that our God is a mighty God. Yes, children, our God is a mighty God. You know, uh, our God is powerful and strong and He's a mighty God. So this passage actually displays the power. The context is we have just concluded, uh, Jesus has just come down from the mountain after preaching and teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, on the Beatitudes and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And after he had come down, immediately one of the things he did was to display that he was the king, that the king has come to usher in the kingdom. That means that he has the power 
Just like what we have sung just now, He has the power, the might over sickness, over death, over disease, even over the weather. And Jesus has all power to do that. And so there was a clash of two authorities at that time. So when we come to this passage after the healing of the leper to display that Jesus has power to heal every sickness and disease. And here, Jesus demonstrates that He has power even to speak healing because Jesus is the Word of life. Jesus is the living Word. And Jesus is the Creator. We know from Genesis that God spoke the world into existence. God created everything by just speaking everything. And so we believe in the power of God. So as sons of daughters, we also have the power when we agree and when we speak the Word of God, when we proclaim the Gospel of God, there is a power that is released by the Spirit to begin to convict, to begin to persuade, to begin to convince people of God's love of God's righteousness and of God's sin in our lives. A centurion, yes, this is a picture of a centurion. A centurion was a very feared man. Why? Because he was not, he didn't choose himself. He was chosen by his men because of his valor, because of his leadership, because of his ruthlessness. He was feared among his own and that's why with the hundred men that is under his care, he was specially chosen because he was courageous. And he was feared by the Jewish people. We know that at that time, Palestine was under the Roman rule. And so they had the Roman soldiers. And so the centurion could order anyone, order anyone to do anything. And that's what happened when Jesus was going on the... Uh, on the road towards Calvary and he just picked up Simon and just picked up Simon and just says, you, take his cross. Take the other part of his cross. Because that is what any centurion can do. He just pick up, call any Jew. He says, you carry my bag. You just go with me wherever I ask you to go. And any Jew cannot do anything against it. That was how powerful, that was how authoritative they were. So we must understand the context of how fearful the people, the Jewish people were of the centurion and the Roman soldier. And they had all the weapons, they had all the power and they were, had delegated authority. Above the centurion was the emperor and Rome itself backing them up. Whatever they do, they do on behalf of the emperor. And so what happened is when the centurion had a sick servant who was paralyzed and was suffering terribly. He heard that Jesus is a miracle worker. That Jesus was not, not ordinary rabbi, just like any of the Jewish, that he could do miracles that he had never heard before. And so being a man of authority, he came and approached Jesus looking to Jesus instead of him ordering Jesus to come to him, which he could easily do. But he chose to come to Jesus. And this is something very important, significant, because he had military power. But he knew that this Jesus that they were talking about had heavenly power. 
had mighty power that is beyond his own power. And so he came to Jesus and he told the story about his servant and very unusual for a centurion, for a boss employer to be so concerned for your employee, especially the lowest of his employee was the servant. But this was a very unusual centurion. And in, a, in, in another version in Luke, it also uh, the same story, it also say that this centurion was loved the Jewish nation and helped to build their synagogues. And he was worthy for any prayer to be answered for him. But then when he approached Jesus, he was considered very worthy, very uh, uh, reverent and respected by the Jewish people. But when he came to Jesus, he, call, he called Jesus even more worthy than him. He found someone who is even more worthy to be respected. Someone who had authority that was unquestionable. And so when Jesus heard the story, the first impression was, I come. But the centurion, being a man under authority, says, no, Lord. Two times he called Jesus Lord, acknowledging that he was someone greater, even greater perhaps than the emperor. Because the, in the Roman Empire, they believe in emperor worship. They worship the emperor as, as if the emperor is God. But here, twice that's the centurion called him Lord. You don't come. I'm not worthy. And this is the first thing that we know, that faith triggers us, that we realise that we are not worthy when we stand before God. That it is not us, it is not anything good that we can come before God, but it is all God and His grace and His love and His compassion that we can come and ask God. And the amazing thing is God was willing to follow the centurion. But the centurion knew about authority. He could tell his soldiers, I ask you to come, straight away the soldier will come. I ask the soldier to go anywhere, the soldier will go. Even to go and die, the soldier will go and die for the empire. I ask my servants to do this, and my servant does this. So the centurion knew about authority, about power, about delegated power. And so when he came to someone like our Lord Jesus Christ, he knew that he had to bow down to somebody even more powerful than him. And this is something that amazed Jesus. Do you know that Jesus was only amazed twice in the gospel? And this is one of the time. This even caught his attention. Wow! He turned to the Jewish people, he turned to even his disciples. I've never seen such faith before even among the Jewish people, and you, a Gentile, a non-Jew, can even say that I only need to speak the word without having go there, and my servant will be healed. Wow! That is faith. That is trusting the power authority that Jesus has, even before He has done His miracle. And Jesus was telling them, you Jews, you think that you please God. You think that you trust God. You look at this man. Because many of you think that you are going to join the kingdom of God, but many of you are not going to enter the kingdom of God. But people like this centurion, that's why it says from the east 
to the west will come and sit down and recline at a table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob because he's talking about the messianic banquet in the final day in heaven. There's going to be a banquet. And he says the people God is going to surprise because you Jews, you think that you're automatically there because of your heritage, because you are a Jew, because your parents were, were Jewish people. No. Now the door is open to the Gentiles. So the centurion was an example of the great commission given later on in chapter 28 where Jesus says, go out and make disciples of all nations. That everyone, so the qualification, how do we become into the kingdom of God? How do we become a believer? How do we become right with God? It's not by age, it's not by gender, it's not by ethnic group, it's not by inheritance, it is just by faith. So children can believe in our Lord Jesus Christ and enter into the presence of God. Youth can just simply believe because faith is the equalizer. Everyone has the opportunity to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we say amen? We don't have to have education. We don't have money. We don't have to pay our way. We don't have to do good works. We don't have to have a lot of achievement or titles in order for us to have faith. Faith is just activated by hearing about Jesus and by coming to Jesus and saying, Yes, Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are sent by the Father. I believe that you have come to bring the good news that God loves, God forgives, and God is preparing heaven and eternal life for each one of us. Instead of Jesus going to the centurion's house, Jesus, in fact, the one with the greater authority, told the centurion, you go. Can you imagine that? The centurion first said, I tell my armies, I tell my servant, you go, they go. By the end of the story, who tells who to go? It is Jesus told the powerful centurion, since you believe, your servant will, will, will receive, and you go. Wow. I think the Jewish people were shocked. Wow, Jesus tell the centurion to go. Uh. He's not afraid to die. But this is what the centurion did. Because when you come to the Lord and you believe in Him, that He is who He is, and even you trust in the Lord like the centurion, Jesus, you only say the word and I can go back and just wait for you to answer me. And that's what he did. He came and when Jesus said go, he go. Wow, so obedient. That is the servant of the Lord. Jesus said, come, you come. Jesus said, go, you go. Jesus said, do, you do, right? Come, go, and do. And immediately what happened? The servant was healed. That is the answer to our breakthrough. That is the answer to faith. That is the answer to supernatural life. We come to God as He is, not what we want Him to be. And we go when He says, you go, and I will, I will do it, I will show you. And you do what I've asked you to do. We hope that you are enjoying the message so far. If you would like to know more about our church and get connected, head to our website at gladtidings.my. Thank you for listening. Let's get back to the Word. When is the second time where... Jesus was amazed. And this one was in Nazareth, Jesus' own hometown, where his own people that knew him growing up and says, 
Is this the same Jesus? The son of Joseph and Mary? I know they are the brothers and the sisters, Judas and a few of them. I know them. Can he, how, come, how come he can do all this miracle? And they didn't believe in him. And this just says, a prophet is not recognised in his home, hometown. But Jesus did only a few healing. And then what did Jesus say in Mark 6, 5, 6? He says, and he marvelled because of their unbelief. Or he was amazed because he was un, of their unbelief and he about, went about the villagers' teaching. So we see that Jesus is amazed with just one thing. Whether you have faith or you don't have faith. Because Jesus says, I've done all this for you to see and you still don't believe. Just like the faith of Thomas, the doubting Thomas, he said, I must see, I must touch his side, I must touch his hand before I believe that he is resurrected. But Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. And we belong to that category. We have not seen Jesus physically but we have experienced Him spiritually in our heart. Can we say an amen to that? So faith is so important because many times people were amazed at Jesus. His disciples, the followers, the religious leaders, the Gentiles, but only two times Jesus was amazed. He was amazed at the centurion's faith and he was amazed at his hometown people who didn't believe in him. So faith is the key in order to begin to please God, to honour God. In John chapter 6, verse 40, he says, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life and I will raise Him up on the last day day. The centurion came. Even before the centurion came, he already believed in his heart that Jesus had the power, Jesus had the authority to heal his servant. Without it happening, and that is the power of faith. That is the faith that pleases, that amazes God. And if you and I want to amaze God, it's very simple. We just have to trust Him even when we don't see, even in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our trouble, in the midst of sickness, in the midst of our financial situation, even in the midst of relationship issues, we say, Lord, I come to you. I will trust in you, even when I don't see, even I don't feel the results coming here. There are three aspects of faith that we need to be settled in. Faith is knowledge. That means faith is not just jumping into the dark and says, and just, just wishful thinking. No, faith is based on a person. Faith is based on truth of who the person is that. And where can we find that? Where can we find that knowledge, that data, that info? It's in the Word of God. And that's why faith comes from hearing and hearing the Word of God. So knowledge is very important. We trust God because of what He has done who he says he is in the Bible and what he promised to do and what he has commanded, what he has prepared for us. But the other aspect of faith is also intellectual assent. That means you say, I believe that what he says is true. But this is not enough for faith to be full, for faith to be true. There is a third dimension other than just knowledge other than just, yes, I believe you are the Lord Jesus Christ because you know who believed? 
even the devil believes in Jesus. The devil knew, recognized Jesus. You are the Son of God. Have you come to torment us before our time? So even the devil knew, the demons knew that Jesus is the Son of God. But the difference between the demons and you and I is we move to the third dimension. That they had, the believers, that you and I have a personal trust in God. And that is the very important. Many people stop at knowledge, stop at ascent, I believe, but they don't activate their faith by coming. And that is what the centurion did. He heard about Jesus. He heard that he could do miracles. He heard that he had more authority than him. And so he said, I believe. But he activated the third dimension. He says, if I believe, I must go to him. So he went to him and he just surrendered himself. He says, I am a powerful soldier, but I have to submit to you because I believe that you can heal my servant. Don't come to my house because I'm not worthy. Just say the word. That is the third dimension. Personally putting your trust, activating it, putting your faith to work. So we cannot stop at just knowledge. We cannot stop at just, uh, uh, just say, I believe, but we need to activate and lift up our faith. We need to cut off the old way of thinking. We need to change our master. We need to uh, uh, remove from the throne even ourselves or any other God and say, Lord, you are the only one. From today onwards, I will listen to you. I will follow you. I will obey you. And that's what the centurion did. So the, the, the centurion activated all these three, knowledge, an intellectual accent and the third dimension was Jesus I surrender my servant to you I know only you can I cannot with all my power I cannot save my servant but you can so God the issue of who God is in our lives is the most important question in life we have to address that issue because if we don't have the idea or the, the principle or the truth of who God is in your life, everything else falls apart. Everything else is wrong. Once we make God, God. Once we acknowledge Jesus is God, then everything falls in line. That is why Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, six first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Whether you need money, you need good health, you need relationship, you need breakthrough, you need uh, finances, you need your business to be well, Jesus says, put me first. And so in life, we always must deal with the issue of who God is. And what, why is so important who God is? Because once we know who God is in, to us, then we know who is our master. Who is holding the steering wheel in your life? Are you still saying, God, you be the passenger seat? I still hold the steering wheel. Whenever I need you, I just check on you. But no. God says, I must take over the driver's seat in your life. I must take the steering wheel. You must learn to let go. So once Jesus is the master of your life, then we will begin to know our identity, that we are not God that He is God. We are children of God. We can trust in God. He will take care of us. The Lord is my shepherd. Once we have our identity, 
then we know our purpose that we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. We are beautifully and fearfully made. God has a purpose for each one of our lives. Because we have found God, we will find our purpose in life. Once we find our purpose in life, we will know our value. That we are made in the image of God. That we are sons and daughters. That Jesus is willing to give His Son to die for us. That is our value. No one can steal, take away our identity, our value. Once we know our value, we will discover our priorities in life. That means we must know to put God first. Not even our spouses first, not even our children first, not even our wealth first, but we put God first above everything else. Then means God is first in our lives and everything will fall into place. And once we, we know our priorities, we know why we have a power from God. There is an anointing, there is a blessing when we know what we are called for, what we are saved for. We have power, we have spiritual gifts, we have calling in our lives wherever that God has positioned us. We are the most powerful people on earth. That's why we are called salt and light because we know who our God is. We know who we are in God. And lastly, once we know uh, what the power that is us, we have a strong foundation in our lives. Nothing will shake our world. Nothing will rock us, not even sickness, not even cancer, not even breaking down of, of, of marriages, not even our business failing will shake and rock our world because we know who is before us. God is there. And God is even more powerful and mighty. Can we say an amen? amen? So these three things I will quickly want to just leave before you to say that what is faith? Faith, how important is faith? Faith pleases God. In Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6, it says, And without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Our centurion is the best example of what amazes God, what pleases God. We don't have to do a lot. Sometimes we think that we must earn the love of God. We must earn the favour of God. You know, we want to pray and get what we want. We must do a lot of good works in order for God to be pleased. But the centurion just began to display all we need to please God is to be obedient, is to trust in Him, is to confide in Him, is to surrender to Him our lives. Jesus gave us a special blessing when He spoke to Thomas. Thomas answered Him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen Me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Do you know we come under the second category? Thomas, among the 12 disciples and the 500 over people, that God gave the privilege to see him, that Jesus gave after his resurrection. But you and I, we come under the second group of people who will be even more blessed than even the disciples because he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You and I have not seen Jesus Christ face to face yet. One day, we will see him face to face. 
And he will be the only person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, that have a physical form. And then we can see him, and then we, will, we want to see is his face. We want to see him being pleased with us. It's very easy to be pleased with God, but it's not easy for God to be pleased with us. And Jesus was pleased with the centurion. I am so amazed. What faith you have. I wish my disciples had this faith. I wish the Jewish people that I came for had this faith. But you, this was a precursor that the gospel is going to go out to all the world. It's answer to Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, that through Abraham, all the nations will be blessed. And the Gentiles will come in from the east and the west. Praise God for that. And that's the reason why you and I here, who are, most of us are Malaysians, some from Kenya. We are here, some are from Indonesia, some from Philippines. That we are here. We are, have the opportunity to believe in the Lord to be part of God's kingdom. It was also an act of faith for me. I knew when I took the first step to say yes to God, when God called me into full-time ministry, it took a lot because I have to give up a lot. I have to leave my place just like Abraham, of course, not like the great Abraham, but I have to leave my place, bring my family, relocate to to a new place, to a new city, to a new state, never been before, never stayed here before. And so I had to take that step of faith from working and having security and safety to coming to become a student in Bible college to study at the age of 40 again. I thought I've left my books behind. I thought no more studying, yeah, Pastor Tiffany is laughing. <laughs> yeah, to no more, no more studying, no more memorizing, uh, no more doing homework. But then I have to come and do all that again, carrying a school bag again at the age of 40. And relocating and the sacrifice my wife took, my son took, to relocate, to move back here. You know, I give up my job, I have to sell my house and all these things. But I just, I know you've heard this before, but it's just amazed me that the Lord is just please, even when we don't see. And that is faith. Faith means just like the waste or the Google map. The, they will tell you just turn by turn, step by step. After you reach this junction, I will tell you about the next road. Some people, some of us want to know right until the end destiny. Who is there? Got, got car park there or not? Is there car park there or not? Is there a lot of people? Is there a lot of traffic or not? Sometimes we look to all that. We ask so many questions, but faith doesn't work like that. Faith means we want to know the whole staircase, what's up the staircase. God, God says, when you activate faith, faith says, I will just show you the first test. When you take the first test, I will, I will show you the next test. So that is faith. And I thank God that when you reactivate faith, I can tell you so many testimonies of how God has seen to us, provided for us, even when we were just single income, you know, and Brian had to go to school here and Gwen had to be uh, uh, posted to Salayang uh, from, uh, from, from, from a beautiful island. We went to Salayang, you know, to the, where the market is. Uh, uh, quite, uh, those days were quite notorious area, you know. Uh, she had people even running into the, to the, to her office and then closing the door because people were chasing with knives and all this. So this was the experience that she had to go through. But when we choose to step up in faith just like the centurion. I can tell you, we can know that the heart of God says, I'm pleased with you. And that is what pleases God. I'm sure that each one of us want to please God. Just like our children here and our youth here, we want to please our parents. But the greatest 
father that we need to please is to please God, our Father. Can we say an amen to that? The second thing about faith is faith has a substance. Faith is not just hoping, wishful thinking and says, I think it's going to happen. Faith is not positive thinking. That is the opposite. Faith is not positive thinking. But faith has a substance. And what is the substance? That substance is who God is and what God has said and what God has demonstrated. If we look at the heavens, we see the beauty of God's creation. The design of God's creation. You look at ourselves, how we are beautifully made. Look at the eye, the intricacy of the eye. Or the beauty of how it's so intricate that it takes specialists years and years of study to understand the eye and so many parts of the body. So God is our creator. So God has a substance. Faith has a substance because God is a reality. So faith is a settled confidence and trust in the Lord Himself. Faith is acting on what we believe. Just like what I mentioned, faith is going to the third dimension and says, you said this God, I will believe. I don't care what I believe. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what my enemies say. I say, you said it, I will do it. You say it, I believe it. You say it, I will hold on to it. And faith is so powerful. The moment we activate and believe God, something miraculous happens. And do you know what is the currency of the kingdom of God? It is faith. Whatever that pleases God, whatever that we want from God, we just have to exercise faith. Is coming to God and believing for who He is and what He wants for us. Faith is not simply asking God for anything, but faith is asking God for what He wants for us. His will for our lives. I remember the, the latest episode about four months ago, uh, more than four months ago, I was invited to take up the role as the main pastor Again, another big step of faith to say that, how can I be like Pastor Vincent? How can I fill his big, big shoes? I don't know what, what shoes you call that, uh, 37, 38, 39. Shoes are my shoes, size only, 12, size 12 only. How can I fit? How can I do the things that he have done? Unless it is from God. And so this is where, just as I've done when I came from Penang here, I have to do it again. And this is going to happen over and over again in our life, that God wants us to exercise our faith. Faith is like a muscle. We have to exercise because if we don't need faith, the danger is we don't need God also. And that's why sometimes God allows things to happen in our life so that we will draw closer to God, so that we can learn more about God. And if we ask people who are going through a tough time, which we, uh, we ourselves have gone through, our members have gone through, you have gone through, we have seen that one of the most powerful testimonies is I've drawn closer to the Lord. I've never seen God in this way before. I've never experienced that supernatural strength like I've experienced because I went through this trial, these difficult moments. So there are, the, we, we, I use the acronym SOS, in order for us to really, really have that substance, to have faith as a real, something so real in our life, is real that anything that we can see, I use the word SOS, SOS means for scripture. 
word. For faith to be real, for faith to be activated, for faith to please God, let's begin to believe and trust and obey and begin the word of God. Secondly, O is obedience. Let's just obey. Trust and obey for there's no other way to please God. And then the third one, the S is surrender. Just like the centurion says that I have all my armies, I have all my power, I can do anything, but I surrender that I cannot heal my servant. Only you can do it. And so, faith has this, the word, that is the substance that we have in our faith. And obedience is a substance, very important. We must act out. We must act on our faith and not just say, I believe and just stand there and just sit there and wait for God to happen. That is not waiting. That is wasting away the opportunity that God has for us. Do you know that there are two centurions, other two centurions that also had great faith? The centurion at the cross on Good Friday was amazed in Matthew chapter 27. How was he amazed? How did he have faith? Simply by just opening his eyes. He saw the moment Jesus breathed his last and gave up his spirit. There was a massive earthquake that happened. That was the number thing that convinced him. Secondly, he saw how Jesus died like no other people they have crucified died because the, the centurion and the soldiers have crucified many people and they say, this is different. Why? He didn't die because his life was taken. He gave up his life on his own. Jesus said, I commit my spirit to you and breathe his last. Jesus didn't, nobody took his life. Jesus gave up his life on his own. Otherwise, he would still be there on the cross because he said, into your hands, I commit my spirit. So these two things convinced the centurion. This truly is the Son of God. We have so many miracles that are recorded in the Word of God that is backed up by historians that there is an empty tomb in Israel, in Jerusalem that nobody can answer because Jesus is alive. Can we say an amen to that? Amen. Jesus is, born, is, is alive and resurrected again. And where He is, not only after 40 days, He went and ascended into heaven and He is coming again. The other centurion in Acts chapter 10 was Cornelius. Cornelius also feared God. These are the unusual centurion. They had encountered Jesus. They had encountered God, but this centurion did not have a personal encounter with Jesus. But he had a dream and a vision of someone coming to him. Peter, to share the gospel about what Jesus and who Jesus is. And what happened? While Peter was proclaiming the gospel, the Holy Spirit came on me. That means while Peter was preaching, he already believed. And in that belief, he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Peter and those who were saying, this is unusual. We didn't even need to lay hands and pray for baptism of the Holy Spirit. They just believed and the Spirit fell on them. Wow. Sometimes faith not, don't have to be uttered at all. Faith just needs to come from the deepest part of us. I believe. That is what it needs. I believe. And we step out and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? 
And just like what the people who heard Peter's preaching says, what do you want me to do? He says, repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The third one and the last one is faith has a name. What is the name? This is the most powerful name in heaven and earth. Jesus Christ. Jesus means God saved. It was purposefully given to him because that was his mission, to come and save from us. From who? From our sins. To come and save us so that we can come home to God. There is a home that God is preparing for us. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The gospel is inclusive. That means everyone is invited to receive God's love, to receive God's forgiveness, to receive God's eternal life. But there's only one name you must call. Not another name, but only the name of Jesus Christ. We have heard so many testimonies of people just calling on the name of Jesus and we see that something will happen. Some manifestations will happen. When we call on the name of Jesus, suddenly demons and spirits will run away. I remember sharing uh, this testimony once when a, 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 a fellow pastor was, was teaching a, a Bible school students and he taught them, you know, you go to the, to, and pray for those who are demon-possessed or demon. He says, uh, when you just call out the name and says, in Jesus' name, you go. Then the students ask the pastor, what if they don't go? <laughs> then he said, then you go. <laughs> but this is not... This is not the authority that we have. We must know our authority because the name of Jesus, that's the only name. We don't call on the name of Paul. We don't call on the name of Peter. We don't call on the name of John. We call on the name of Jesus because His name is the name above every name. And we will come, we will enter into God's presence. We will enter into God's kingdom because of that name. His name has applied to my life and I believe to your life in so many in areas of your life. I stand before you as a child of God, as a pastor, even as a main pastor today because faith has a name. In the Old Testament, very quickly, there are five names that is, that is aligned, that is confirmed by who Jesus is in the New Testament. That Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is my peace. And that was the name that God revealed to Gideon when he was afraid of the army, the Midianites. Jesus says, don't worry, don't fear. I am your peace. I think this has happened to your life and my life that many times when we, the natural thing for us humanly is to worry to be anxious and to, to be worried. But when we call on the name Jesus, do you know that there is a peace that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus? I like this illustration when we see, uh, when something comes against us, what happens? He says the peace of God guards our heart. If this is our heart, the peace of God will guard our hearts from being afraid, from being tormented. That's what the peace of God does in our life. And Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. Secondly, is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, I am the healer, your Lord. I am the Lord, your healer. 
This was revealed to them, to the Israelites when they came out of Egypt because of the sins, the, the, the diseases that came upon the Egyptians to punish them. But Jesus says, if you obey me, if you trust in me, I will not put any of the diseases, of the sicknesses, of the plagues that I put on the Egyptians because I, the Lord, am your healer. I thank the Lord for being my healer. I thank the Lord for being my wife's healer, for seeing her through her many bouts of sicknesses. The miracle when she went through the surgery, where they had to go through from the front, you know, uh, the operation, and it affects her voice. You know, you know, for a worship leader, the most important thing is your voice. What is a worship leader without a voice? And so the doctors say, the first thing the specialists say is, we have to go through your throat. And it may affect your voice. Wow. That is where we need to trust that Jesus is our Jehovah Rapha, our healer. There are many here who are believing God for that Jesus is our healer. Then we have Jehovah Nisi. God is my banner. When the people, the Israelites were fighting against the Amalekites, Moses went up to the mountain and, G and Moses raised up the staff. Every time he raised up the staff, the Israelites were we're winning the banner. What is the banner? It is you saying that God is my victory. I look to God and the victory belongs to God. And that happens in each of our lives. When we say that God is on my side, where God is for me, that we will receive His victory. Can we say an amen to that? Then Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider. And that is what God did for Abraham. When, God, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son and they went up to the place that we now today call Jerusalem. On that same mountain, Abraham had faith that God was, is going to be his provider even before God revealed his name. But he just trusted God. And at the last moment, God told Abraham, I, I know you believe me because you were willing even to sacrifice your son. He says, don't worry, I provided something, a replacement for you. Look at the ticket, look at the bush. There is a ram to replace your son. And so in our lives, we have seen God providing for us in miraculous ways. Can we say amen to that? I've seen God providing for me in such an amazing way that I've never lacked because Jesus says, I am the shepherd. We shall not be in one. Or another translation says, we have all that we need. And the last name is Jehovah Sikhanu. That God is my righteousness. Why? Because many times we try to earn our way to favour. We try to please God by doing things, many, many things. We try even to make up for our sins, our, our shortfall, our weaknesses. But God says it's not enough. I will send my son. I will give my son to forgive you. And so, when we want to be right before God, it is what Jesus has done that we are forgiven. That God is my salvation. Jesus took upon himself so that I will receive salvation. So when the enemy comes and try to accuse you, accuse me, I will say no. That God is my righteousness. It's not what I've done, it's what Jesus has done. That now I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I make new. The old man has gone, the new man has come. The old woman has gone, 
the new woman have come. Before we pray for you, we want to just declare, we want to just sing to the Lord who He is even right now. Can I ask us to even stand? Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been encouraged, make sure to follow us on Spotify. To get connected or find out more about the life of our church, visit us on our website at gladtidings.my or follow us on social media. Have a blessed week.